Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Football Social Daily. Get ready to play with a 100% up to £150, plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Maguire guilty in Greece. The Manchester United skipper got in a spot of bother in Mykonos last week. Now he's been charged with aggravated assault and bribery in the Greek courts. The England man will appeal the decision, but the situation has cost him his spot in the latest England squad. No Maguire for Gareth Southgate, but also no Jack Grealish. The Villa star misses out on a call-up, yet Michael Keane gets in. We'll discuss the latest Three Lions squad ahead of the upcoming England internationals. Also, some people have been saying it for years. Lionel Messi can't be the best player ever because he's not done it in England. Now, could that be about to change? The legendary forward has said he wants to leave Barcelona after nearly 20 years. So is it destination Premier League for Messi? And if so, will it be Chelsea, Manchester City or Manchester United? Plus, we'll take a look at the latest transfer news, including the gossip from Stamford Bridge and the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast, keeping you up to date with all the goings on in the English top flight from real fans. Subscribe now and never miss a show, a new podcast every day when the season begins on September the 12th. I'm Niall and with me today on Football Social Daily, we have Jim Salverson, who I'm sure is upset I didn't include West Ham in that list of clubs plumping to sign Messi. Well, I'm surprised. I would have thought East London <laughs> would be the ideal destination for Lionel Messi and the riches that can be gained at the London Stadium. But no, sadly not. Not get, on the list. Get him up in the Stratford halo. He'd yeah, love it. Perfect. He'd absolutely love it. And we've also got Marley Anderson. Don't think you could tempt uh, old Lionel to the northeast, Marley? Uh, well, all I'm saying is, you know, Matty Longstaff signs a new contract a couple of days ago and then Messi announces he wants to leave Barcelona. So I'm... <laughs> These things, it's not a coincidence. He wants to play with the ginger furlough. <laughs> You're putting two and two together and getting 426 by the sounds of it. Uh, 100%. <laughs> anyway, we're not going to talk about Messi just yet. We're going to start by talking about Harry Maguire. Now, there's been a big storm of, of late of what's happened to him during his holidays in Mykonos, the Greek island. Now, there's been conflicting stories and conflicting reports. You may have seen or been following this story uh, on several football news websites, and we've been covering it on the podcast as well. The bottom line is the latest news is that the Manchester United captain has been charged in a Mykonos court with aggravated assault and bribery for an incident which took place last week on his holidays. Now, we don't really want to go too deep into it, Jim, Mm. because obviously Maguire is going to appeal and we don't want to speak out of turn, obviously, on the podcast because that would be wrong of us to do so. But certainly for a club who are so cushy with their PR as Manchester United, this is a little bit of a disaster for them. It's not a great look for Harry Maguire. It's more than just being charged at the moment. He's obviously been found guilty by the Greek court as well, and he has said he's going to appeal. There's so many conflicting reports going around as to what actually happened in Mykonos and 
where the blame potentially lies. If you read the statements from the prosecution and the defence, they are telling completely different stories. There's a lot of questions to be unanswered there. But on the face of it, you've got the Manchester United captain, a player who, until this point, has handled himself exceptionally during his career, has suddenly got a blot on his copybook. And it doesn't look good for Manchester United because they are a club who... One of the few clubs who kind of like to handle themselves with dignity and decorum. And one of the problems with Jose Mourinho being manager of the football club at Manchester United was was that he didn't embody the principles of the club and he didn't kind of handle himself with that dignity every time that the club expected. So it's a difficult one for Manchester United and how they handle this situation. On one hand, they're going to want to support their player. Mm. They're going to want to stand up for their player. And 100% right, they should do. You can't hang someone out to dry because of one mistake on a night out as a 26-year-old. I mean, I was 26. I was an idiot when I was 26. And it just 26-year-olds are idiots in general. Sorry to say it. Last <laughs> you're all idiots. <laughs> uh, but it's the kind of the way it goes. You do have flashes of madness because you're 26. You're not fully matured yet. And you know, I know I'm digging myself into a hole if you are 26 yet, but when you get a little, <laughs> when you get to the age of 40, whatever, you kind of look back and go, oh yeah, I, I'm about I to do something completely irrational. Being 26, <laughs> the other side of this desk, I don't know. You got to be watch but, out, Jim. You don't know what I might do next. But anyway, yeah, I mean Manchester United, they do need to stick up for their player. That's 100 percent right. But I think it's very unlikely that he will retain the captaincy at that football club as well at the same time because I just think it's not the way that club operates. Gareth Southgate said Marley that he had no reason to not include Harry Maguire in his latest England squad. And we'll come on to the full squad in a moment. But he has now withdrawn from that three-line setup because Gareth Southgate said that he has a good relationship with Maguire. And as Jim mentioned, he isn't going to let one incident get in the way of their relationship. However, it's never as easy as that. I mean, it's all well and good Southgate saying one thing, but clubs and organisations like England, for that matter, do have to be seen to do the right thing. So do you think it is going to be a lot of treading on eggshells for the next few weeks? Uh, I'm, I'm quite surprised he was in in the first place, considering when it was announced, uh, he hadn't been in court and stuff. Um, there's obviously, there's always a a sort of chance that he's going to get uh, found guilty. I think maybe Southgate probably thought he's, he's going to get found not guilty and he can, everything, then it's all behind him and he can play in the Nations League qualifiers or something like that. But, um, Clearly, that's not happened, and uh, obviously, once he's found guilty, now he's had to pull out because he's going to be distracted by that for the next few weeks or however long this appeal process takes. I don't, I'm not quite sure up on my Greek law, but uh, however, however long that's going to take, that's going to dominate his his next few weeks, I would assume. So it's probably the right decision to take him out and and to to make a decision um, based on on the outcome of it. But I mean, players in the past have done things, done worse things than him. Um, so I don't. It's it's not a, a thing where I see him sort of being dropped from England and you know dropped as uh, as one of the one of the captains of England, like the sort of vice captain style person. I don't. I don't even think he'll be dropped by Man United as captain because I think he's only just been appointed. Um, I don't really think there's many other leaders in that squad who you, who, who you would look at. Um, and also, as I say, I mean people have done worse things than him. I think. There's two sides to every, to, to every story. There's about twenty five sides to this one. If you believe all the the all the stuff that's come out in the press about what happened, about his sister allegedly being stabbed, uh, or then it came out that she was injected with something and she fainted, or what have you. I mean, it's so There's so many different sides to it. Yeah. We we've got no idea what we should believe and what we shouldn't believe in that scenario. It's crazy, and you know the, the lost in translation aspect of it doesn't help at all because. It's always gonna get, uh, you know, spun by the press who wanna if some somewhere out to get him, somewhere out to stick up for him. The Greeks um, press might be out to get him of this lager lout Englishman foreigner. Um, and other parts of the Greek press will realise that Mykonos relies on its tourism, so they don't want to have him sort of, you know, made an example of and things like that. So. It's a bit of a mess, and I don't. I maintain what I said on Monday's podcast. I don't think anybody will ever know the full story, except the the people that were there that night. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens to Maguire, I suppose. But I don't see this as I think see this is like just a a bit of a blip in his uh, his career. I don't think it's uh, a long lasting thing, um, and I don't mm. think, even though I don't know him, it doesn't strike me as the type of guy who who would you know 
fly off the handle at any given thing. So yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens from here. But he's out of the England squad, isn't he? So I don't think they'll miss him against Denmark. And what Iceland. I don't understand about the whole situation is why Maguire didn't issue an apology and do so quickly. Or Maguire's people issue an apology, not necessarily for taking blame for the situation, but for. I don't know, you can be quite mealy about that kind of stuff, can't you? You can kind of be quite vague about what you're apologising for. But from a PR point of view, surely yeah. just a little bit of humble... I see what you're saying. From a professional point of view, an apology would have yeah. probably gone a long way. Yeah. But would you apologise for something you feel you haven't done? Well, I think that's what I mean. He could be careful about what he's apologising for. and He doesn't want to put himself into a legal situation by taking responsibility for the situation either. But he... But does apologising not admit a modicum of guilt? <sighs> I think he could. You could say something like, "The behaviour I exhibited wasn't fitting of a Manchester United and England player, for example," which doesn't necessarily pile guilt on yourself, does it? But it kind of says softens the blow. Oh, a I'm in the bit. wrong place. I was mm. in the wrong wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. I probably could have handled myself better in that scenario, which I think is true. Whatever the situation was, I think it, he could have handled himself better. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So what we should say is that Harry Maguire at this moment in time at the recording of this podcast, 26th of August 2020, has been found guilty in a Greek court in Mykonos um, of aggravated assault and bribery. He will spend 21 months in prison. That's a sentence suspended for three years, but it will be appealed by Harry Maguire and his entourage. So we will keep you updated on Football Social Daily when we find out any more news about that Harry Maguire situation. Now then, we've mentioned that Maguire has been withdrawn from the England squad. His replacement... Everton's Michael Keane. Marley, I'll let you take the lead on this one because I know England's centre-back department has kind of been questioned over the last few years, but Michael Keane instead of someone like Connor Cody at Wolves? I mean, that seems a bit of an odd addition for me. Yeah, um, Keane is at best uh, all over the place. Sometimes he's really good. <laughs> Sometimes he's really good. Isn't that good for a Not, footballer? It's like to be all over the place. Cover the whole of the pitch. A, David Luiz must be class yeah. then. For a winger or a box to box midfielder, yeah, but maybe not for a centre back. Um, nah, he's, uh, sometimes he's quality and sometimes he just looks, you know, really, really poor. Um, Cody, for example, as you mentioned, he's been he's been quality for two years now. Uh, he he's got that passing from the back. He's comfortable on the ball. Um, I think maybe the one question of you've got over him is he's played in the back three for so long, and if England want to play with a, a flat back four, then maybe he's not quite suiting for the system. Maybe, um, but another one I'd look at is James Tarkowski from Burnley. Um, he hasn't made it into mm. the squad. He, I don't see what he can do more um, to get into that squad ahead of ahead of Keane. I think if you know if you look at it, people probably see Everton as a better side than Burnley. Um, but I mean, you're a, you're a centre back. Burnley didn't concede many goals last season. Um, for a team no. who finished where they did, they did very well defensively. And Nick Pope and James Tarkowski and Ben Mee were all massive parts of that. So I'd be a bit fuming if I was um, if I was Tarkowski and Cody. But I don't know. I mean, Mings gets in. Tyrone mm. Mings gets in, and he he was part of one Lewis of the worst. Dunk would be an interesting dunk, yeah, potential dunk as well. One, yeah. Or even Chris Smalling. He's had a cracking season over in Roma. <laughs> yeah. I'd potentially like to see him back in the England fold. I wouldn't as be well. opposed to that. Either. Both ahead of Michael yeah. Keane. Yeah, well, I mean, there are some left field choices in Gareth Southgate's England squad. I'll go through it in full now. Goalkeepers: Dean Henderson, Pickford, and Pope. Defenders: Alexander Arnold, Eric Dyer, Gomez, Michael Keane, Tyrone Mings, Trippier and Kyle Walker, midfielders. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Foden, Mount, Calvin Phillips, which we'll come on to in a second, Declan Rice, James Ward-Prowse and Harry Winks, and up front, Abraham Greenwood, Ings, who gets his first call-up, and as hard as this is to say, as a Pompey fan, probably deservedly so, Kane, Rashford, Sancho and Sterling. So no real surprises in the forwards, apart from Danny Ings' first call-up and possibly first cap for England, um, or at least his first cap in a long time. But in midfield, Calvin Phillips... Jim, instead of Jay, um, instead of Jack Grealish, not a player I know a massive amount about, to be honest. But from what I hear from my Leeds United supporting friends, definitely deserving of an England call up. Not quite as young as the other debutants in that England squad in Mason Greenwood and Foden. Who's the other player? Who's it? Foden, Phil Foden. Yeah, who's obviously got a call up as well. What I don't get about Calvin Phillips's 
inclusion is the balance of the squad. Because my understanding is Calvin Phillips is pretty much a defensive midfield player. We seem to have a lot of defensive midfielders in that England team. You've got Eric Dyer, Declan Rice, mm. Ward Prowse. Well, it feels like Dyer has been chosen as a centre back, but I mean, obviously, in the absence of Henderson, who's injured at the mm. moment, that might be where he comes in, perhaps. Maybe, but I mean, he, I, I like it when. These are, let's not forget these games coming up are competitive games. They're nation leagues games, so there can only be a certain amount of experimentation because they are important for England's future qualification for tournaments and the Nations League will be one tournament that Gareth Southgate will want to win in itself. So there's only a certain amount of experimentation that can be done. And I think, in general, it's a squad that's pretty much selected in itself. There's a few of the old guard in there, people like Michael Keane that Southgate has picked before and obviously he has returned to those players instead of maybe picking a slightly more left-field choice like a... Lewis Dunk in that position so it is nice to see a little bit of experimentation in there with a player like Calvin Phillips who was impressed in the championship and does deserve that England call-up. You've uh, watched a fair bit of Leeds Marley would you agree about Calvin Phillips um, along the sort of the Leeds contingent they think that it's a deserved call-up? Yeah um, I have no issues with with him being in uh, if I'm honest I think he's been one that if Leeds wouldn't if Leeds didn't go up this season I think clubs would have been looking at him and trying to trying to prize him away from from Leeds is one that's come through that youth system that's produced a lot of uh, a lot of talent over the years, um, and I think England aren't. I think England's weakest part of the of their squad is defensive midfield. Um, obviously, you've got Rice, but other than Rice, not many stand out. Like Dyer's not played defensive midfield for a little while. I think he's mainly been in Spurs' team at centre back for. But you don't need five of them. <laughs> well, who's the five? I don't understand who the five. Harry are. Winks is defensive midfield, isn't he? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, but he's not really like a tackler. He's sort of a. But this, this, this is one Prowse. thing I was going to come on to. Winks and Ward Prowse. I don't understand what they do more than Grealish, for example. Mm. Yeah, I'm stunned. Grealish isn't like, in the squad. They really play am. in. A, they play in a similar position. Like the sort of if you're playing a midfield three, you have the you have the destroyer in the middle, you're like you know your Rice or your Phillips. And then either side of them, you know, Ward, Prowse and Winks, for me, they're not as good as Grealish. That's um, kind of my point. In that role, in the number eight role, Rav, like, I wouldn't pick Grealish as a winger because you've got Sancho, you've got Rashford, you've got Sterling, you know, all them players and Greenwood can all play out wide. So I'd pick him as a number eight, as a midfielder, Grealish. But, I mean, going back to Phillips, I just think he, he gets in, um, I think when, when, the, when the season starts, I think people will... will have a look at him and say, right, this is why he's in the squad. I think he's 24 mm. or something. I think he's 24. I think he's, yeah, he's, he's a little bit older than the sort of new guys coming into the squad um, in terms of like, you know, the young lads like Foden and uh, and Greenwood. But no, he's good. He's a good player. Um, I've got no issues with him being in it, uh, despite coming in from the championship. Um, and it's... Ironically, it's another thing that will annoy Jack Grealish because he was the best player in the championship. And he's probably thinking, if Calvin Phillips is the best player in the championship and he gets into the squad and I've been the best player in the championship and then the best player in my team and practically kept Aston Villa up, what do I have to do to get in? So mm. I'd be a bit annoyed if I was Grealish and that uh, that news hit me yesterday. I've got a quick bit of trivia for you, a quiz for you. Who was the last Leeds player to get capped for England? Milner. Alan Smith. It was Alan Smith, 2004. Wow. Good grab. Wow. I just remember that season because obviously Leeds went down and um, little old Pompey beat him 6-1, Fratton Park. Wow. So, you know, I remember that. But Leeds back in the big time now. And maybe we'll see more Leeds United players in England squads moving forward. But first call-ups for Dean Henderson, Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood. A return to the England squad for Danny Ings for the first time since 2015. And of course, a debut call-up for Calvin Phillips. But no Connor Cody, James Tarkovsky, Harry Maguire, of course, not in it either. And no Jack Grealish. That's the big news. But perhaps not as big as the fact that Lionel Messi has told Barcelona that he wants to leave the club after nearly 20 years at the camp now. Now, will he end up in the Premier League? Will he end up at Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City? Will he even end up in the English top flight at all? We'll talk about it next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily 
Get ready to play with a 100% up to £150 plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Every single day of the Premier League season, which starts on the 12th of September, you'll be treated to a brand new podcast every single day. So hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, follow us on social media, get involved. We'd love to hear from you for the course of this upcoming 2021 Premier League season. So make sure you subscribe and you won't ever miss another episode again. I'm Niall. I've got Jim and Marley alongside me on today's podcast. And we're about to talk about Lionel Messi. Now, this is a Premier League podcast, let's not forget. But the reason we're about to talk about the great man is because he's apparently told Barcelona he is ready to leave the club after nearly two decades in Catalonia. Now, will he end up at a Premier League club? That is the big question. And if so, which Premier League club will he end up at? Now, the murmurings at this moment in time, and bear in mind this was only announced about 12 hours ago, Mm. are Chelsea... And Manchester City, with a lot of people suggesting Manchester City, Jim, are the club because of the links to Pep Guardiola and Barcelona and etc. etc. that Messi might end up at. However, is this just a case of the greatest player ever, arguably, saying that he wants a change of scenery and people getting excited about it? Or do you think there is some legitimacy in the fact that we could see Leo Messi as a Premier League player? I think there's legitimacy in Leo Messi leaving Barcelona this time. It doesn't feel like the previous rumblings of disconsent the previous 11 times where, yeah, he said where he's he just leave. been yeah. after a better contract essentially or a change in management or wherever it is it feels like there's a genuine desire to leave this time and there's um the spanish press a newspaper called dario ole is reporting that apparently ronald koeman came into the barcelona squad and went up to messi and said your privileges in this squad are over so obviously Coman's not that keen on him sticking around because that's going to ruffle some feathers and want to get him out of the club straight away anyway. I find that strange from a man who once encouraged a €2,000 fine for eating chips with mayonnaise. <laughs> he said, find me double because I love them so much. <laughs> I find that very odd. So it does feel like Messi's going to leave. And if he does leave, then Manchester City does make a lot of sense. I think internally in the club, Manchester City have always said that if Leo Messi was to become available, they'd be interested in bringing him to the Etihad. Whether it's the same when it's a 29-year-old Leo Messi or whether it's a 33-year-old Messi is a completely different matter. And I think that's the big question for me is, Leo Messi undoubtedly one of the greatest players of a generation or the greatest player of a generation, but he is 33 and he has spent his life at Barcelona. So if a Premier League club does go all in on him and it will require them to go all in in terms of transfer fee and in terms of wages it's not a sure thing it's not a slam dunk there are no guarantees he has spent his entire life his entire career at Barcelona in a professional and personal bubble and who knows what impact it will have if you take him out of that professional and personal bubble and put him in a different place. This might come as a surprise to people who don't live in Manchester, but going down Mumbles in Barcelona and eating tapas isn't the same as going down Canal Street and stopping at McTucky's for a bit of fried chicken. <laughs> it's just it's a different environment for him as a player, and it's a completely different world. And we've seen the disruption that just moving people from their environment can have. I'm from the south of England and I'm sick of the rain. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty miserable in Manchester. It's a brilliant city, but it's pretty grey sometimes. But you look at someone like, and I know it's a different scenario, Wolf Sahar, who absolutely ripped up a Crystal Palace. He was moved to Manchester and it was a different environment for him. It was a different team, a different environment. It just didn't work out and he ended up going back to Crystal Palace. Now, it's... It's, I know what Marley's yeah. thinking. Zaha is a very <laughs> different player to Lionel Messi. I take that point. I'm going to raise that now as an issue. Start I'm okay, digging way out of this, Jim. Go on. But it, it shows that if you move someone out of the situation they're used to, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to flourish in a different scenario. So I think there is a risk of... And I'd love to see Messi in the Premier League. And to be honest with you, I don't care which club he goes to in the Premier League. He's not coming to my club and I just love to see him in the Premier League. So City, go all in and sign him. In t- but it could be a waste of money. In terms of timing, obviously, Marley, we've got this whole coronavirus pandemic that's been lingering over us for the last six months and everyone's willing that to go away. And it's hell, it's due effect on football finances. So we've seen the transfer market look a little bit strange 
um, of late. Now, it seems a bit of an awkward time for Messi to all of a sudden become available, mm. um, albeit it will be for free, but he'll command a massive wage. So do you think Jim's right? Do you think clubs should be doing all they can to rearrange sponsorship deals, to, you know, the chairman to remortgage his house, take what, you know, do whatever it takes to get Messi on their books? Because even in shirt sales, he's going to be a massive asset for any football club in the Premier League, even the top clubs in the world. They'll probably make a lot of their money back just purely on merchandise sales for Messi, even if he comes in and performs terribly. Yeah, well, um, you see, you seen it with uh, Ronaldo at uh, Juventus. A similar thing happened, and I think he paid. I think they made like thirty million on on um, shirt sales in the first week alone, or something like that. Something mental like that, and they paid a transfer fee on top of that to Real Madrid. But the one thing um, that's different about this case is Messi wouldn't go for a fee; he would leave on a free. So it become it becomes more attractive uh, an oppos- uh, a proposition because you all- is it a free? Yeah, because he's got well, he's, yeah. he's got a clause in his contract that says he can leave at the end of end of the season whenever. But he leave decides. on a free or leave for a pre agreed no, transfer. No, a free. Wow. Okay. So he can Messi decide- leaving for free is just huge news, really, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I think I, I think you could also argue Marley as well. We've we've also seen. Um, disputes over Bartomeu, who's the president of Barcelona, and the way he's been running the club. Now, yeah. we know Messi holds massive standing in that football club. And we also know that in terms of a player perspective and player power, Messi calls the shots in that football team, I think almost more than the manager at times. So do you think this might even be a ploy from Messi to try and convince Bartomeu to kind of step aside? Do you think it's a little bit of a Mexican standoff? Or as Jim says, do you think this is legitimately Messi looking for pastures new? Uh, I have, I've heard that angle, um, but the, the Spanish press and the sort of more trustworthy ones are saying that it's not it's not just about the presidency anymore. I think the you know the whole Bartomeu thing is not the most popular um, of, of presidents and you know they, they kind of want him out and all that stuff. But... Apparently, this is more than that. It's more than uh, he's he's just grown sick of the club as a whole uh, and not being able to compete at the the very top end of the Champions League and all and all that stuff, for example. But um, it's one of them. Minute like when I think if if he went for a fee, no, no clubs could afford his fee and his wages. But now everybody's sort of getting there. Getting their ducks in a line to see if you can if you can possibly afford him. So, for example, clubs that are sponsored by Adidas, for example, Messi sponsored by Adidas, Juventus will be looking at every everything they've got to mm. try and get Adidas to pay out some of the some of the wages and some of the money that they're obviously going to make back through through shirt sales and things like that. Man United didn't did it with Pogba in twenty sixteen. I think there was rumours of. Um, Adidas paying quite a lot of the the transfer fee to Juventus for on behalf of Man United for their their player their their athlete their chosen sort of flagpole guy kind of thing. So maybe I think a lot of teams will be looking at um, looking at that. I think PSG will probably be trying to see how much money they've got down the back of the city to try and get him in. Um, I think Barcelona were once uh, what was it? sponsored by Qatar Foundation weren't they and PSG owners mm, yeah. of Qatari so maybe there's a link there that they can do um, obviously the Neymar thing they've got Neymar as well so he would be maybe an attractive player mm. but having said all that there is no club in the world that is more similar to Barcelona in, in every way than, than Manchester City they've got the they've got the uh, the board of the golden era of Barcelona they've got Bagiristain and Soriano and obviously they've got Pep as well, so that yeah. they're all massive pulls. I think Man City always built that board and that structure to to attract Pep Guardiola, not Lionel Messi. However, they always knew that by doing that, if there was a chance of Messi ever leaving, which it never really looked like there would be, then they would be in pole position to uh, to do something to to try and get him. Um, and that's mm. that's what the attraction is. Like, why would you not? want to go back and play where you really enjoyed your football at, at, at its absolute peak. I don't think Barcelona have anywhere, been anywhere near as good since Guardiola left and Messi's had to sit through that and try and drag the team forward uh, with, with Suarez and, you know, PK and let's the not, old guard kind of thing. So Let's not forget they lost 8-2 to Bayern Munich. Yeah, yeah that's, that's embarrassing. That's a huge defeat for a club of Barcelona's stature. Yeah, it's a bit of massive. information, a bit, a bit of detail on that 
messy contract situation as well and the potential for a free transfer. So I've been frantically Googling the situation and Messi did have a clause in his contract which allows him to leave on a free. In order to activate that clause, he had to tell Barcelona he needs to, he wanted to leave before the 10th of June, which is obviously a deadline that's now passed. So there is now a legal battle between Messi and Barcelona to decide whether he can leave on a free or not. He's still effectively handed in a yeah. transfer request, though. Yeah, but it's so. whether there's a fee involved, I think, is the big question there. And if there yeah, is a fee involved, I think the club that's buying him, whether it's Manchester City, have that decision to make. And the decision is, do you want Lionel Messi at your club for two years? And who wouldn't want that? If or, you pay £50 million for him, I know it sounds stupid, but if it's a nominal fee, £50 but, million for a player of that quality But what are you sacrificing to bring is? that player in? Not just from five budgets, because of the FFP restrictions that we know City have had issues with before, you're probably sacrificing four players coming into your club in the next two windows, potentially. And we know that Manchester City have a bit of a rebuilding job to do. We know they need need to replace certain key players. So you could, those four players, that could be your your Torre, your Vinny Company and your Aguero (laughs) for the next five years. They could be those players that you identify to bring the club forward. So there is an element of balancing the short-term success that Messi could bring you with maybe the long-term th- rebuilding of a football club. I think City's chairman, Haldun Al-Mubarak's recent interview where he suggested he'll do whatever Pep wants to get mm. Manchester City back on a level footing with Liverpool for next season. I thought that was very telling. It's almost as if he kind of knew what was going to happen yeah. with the Messi situation. But it's worth saying that Barcelona fans were gathering outside the ground last night at the camp now to, to protest against the possible departure of their absolute legend and talisman who is Messi. But also, Rio Ferdinand said on Twitter, um, I don't know how clued up Rio Ferdinand is, but his old mate Frank Lampard at Chelsea (laughs) uh, is apparently lining up a move for for Leo Messi. Now, we've not even mentioned Manchester United in this, which arguably they're probably as rich as both of those two clubs in Mm. terms of what they can afford to spend. Can you see... Lionel Messi going to Manchester United to play under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. No, I can't. <laughs> Can but, you see that happening? But, but also, under Lampard feels a bit strange as well. Yes. But what a ridiculous transfer window it would be for Chelsea, Marley, if they managed to bring in Werner, Havertz, Thiago Silva, um, Ben Chilwell and Lionel Messi to top it all off. I mean, that would be outrageous. I'm not buying that at all. <laughs> It's just it's Ferdinand. It's just as, Rio, really, as Rio just, missed the drugs test again. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's just now nah, he's just messing around, and I think he's just on about Chelsea buying everyone, and then he's thought, and he's just linked it with Messi as well. But I don't think there's anything in that um, at all. But I mean, Chelsea are having a hell of a window. But I think FFP have come crashing down on them if uh, if they sign Messi on top of all the money they're spending <laughs> as well. I don't know how much leeway they've got thanks to that transfer ban. But Christ, if uh, Imagine if they were able to pull that off, but no, n- not at all, not for me. Um, I think there's only really one club in England they go to, and it's uh, it's the blue half of Manchester, I would think. But mm. well, I mean, we'll have to see what happens. There's the legal battle and stuff as well, which is why yeah. he sent the it's why he sent the something called a bureau fax to Barcelona last night. Uh, love a fax in football, don't the they? The Spanish love yeah. a fax. Love a fax. Well, I was googling what a bureau fax is because obviously it all of a sudden became the most googled word in word in the world, <laughs> um, and it's basically just a fax which is recorded when it's delivered. So it's it's kind of like sending him a, a parcel recorded delivery in uh, in England, um, but it's basically so that if so he sent it and then it's basically so if Barcelona said, well, we didn't get it. Uh, it's proof that he did send it. So if everything got messy, <laughs> literally, uh, if everything <laughs> got a bit scruffy in the court, he can say, "Well, I sent this as notice of my terminate of my, you know, my intent to leave mm. uh, on this date." And Barcelona will probably fight it by saying, "Well, the clause for you telling us to that you want to leave is has passed," um, but Messi's saying that it's the end of the season. Um, and the end of the season was obviously affected by coronavirus. So, mm. when was the end of the season? Was it was it when they, they went out the Champions League, or was it the end of the Champions League, or was it the the end of pre season? So, is it the first game of next season? So that's what the that's what they're fighting about. And once they sort that out, um, then Pep Guardiola can be waiting with open arms to welcome him to Manchester Airport. So Marley reckons Manchester City, Jim, into Miami. 
Inter Miami. I think if he gets Good a one. move, if he moves, it will be a money move to a club like Inter Miami, maybe China, somewhere like that. I that, think that, it will be that's that. A, that, could... that is a quick way to bankrupt a club. Like I've never seen a club be formed <laughs> and go bankrupt so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a, what a signing that would be for David Beckham and Inter Miami. Uh, I'm thinking it will probably be somewhere where there is a fair bit of cash. Mm. And you mentioned the Qatar Foundation earlier, Mali. Possibly the Qatari club that Xavi is the manager of. I think that he's still a manager mm-hmm. over there. He might have moved. Al-Sad. Does he move back to Al Sad? Yeah. Well, Al Sad it would be if he doesn't come to the Premier League. <laughs> uh, uh, Lionel Messi has handed in a transfer request at Barcelona. Of course, if there are any rumours linking him to a Premier League move in the next couple of weeks, we will keep you bang up to date here on Football Social Daily. And it is transfer gossip we'll be talking about next, and we'll do it after this. Football Social Daily. Get ready to play with a 100% up to £150 plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Niall. Alongside me, we've got Jim Salveson and Marley Anderson. We've been discussing Lionel Messi's possible move away from Barcelona and to the Premier League. Of course, it's still in its infancy at the moment in terms of possible rumours about bringing him over to England. They say he can't be the best player ever because he hasn't done it in the Premier League. Well, we might be able to find out before too long if uh, people's wishes come true. But it's just now... a shame Stoke are in the Premier League at the moment because he won't get the opportunity to do it on a cold night in Stoke, will he? Unless there's a cup draw. <laughs> that would be the benefit, I suppose. As if Messi's going to play in the Carabao Cup. <laughs> yeah. He can do what he wants, Messi, as far as anyone's concerned. Um, anyway, let's talk about the latest transfer gossip away from Messi. And let's start at Leicester City, where it's not so much gossip, Jim, but certainly a, a big boost for Brendan Rodgers. His side, who finished fifth in the Premier League last season, have qualified for the Europa League. have now tied James Madison down to a new contract. This mm. follows a new contract for Nampolis Mendy a couple of days ago as well. Obviously, they're going to need to bolster their squad in terms of tying players down because like we saw with Wolves last season, going deep into the Europa League can cause you to have yep. a long, long season. So you need a decent squad. You need a solid squad. Madison didn't make it into the latest England squad um, called up by Gareth Southgate. He wasn't this time. So good news regardless, even though he's not in the England squad, good news for Leicester that they've managed to get him on a new deal. Definitely, because he was one of the shining lights for Leicester City last season. He was an absolutely brilliant purchase from Norwich City and it frustrates me to this day that he was watched by West Ham when he was playing for Norwich a few times, but he was deemed not good enough to get into the Premier League, which is typical West Ham scouting that is, but... Great that Leicester City can hang on to him for another few seasons at least. He's been instrumental in their success so far and I think he looks like he's going to be an absolutely quality midfielder for Leicester and England for years to come as well. I think Jamie Vardy is looking to tie up a new contract as well. I've heard whether that's been signed or not yet, I don't know. But I think that's going to be key for Leicester City, as you say, tying down their big players, recruiting so they have a little bit more squad depth so they can cope with the demands of the Europa League and sadly the way they're going to have to do that is by cashing in on players like Ben Chilwell who does look, look who does look like he's off so yeah a little bit of good news as Leicester City prepare to lose one of their other strong players in that squad well actually funny you say that because it's been announced around about 40 minutes ago when we started recording the podcast that Jamie Vardy has agreed a new contract oh, with go. Leicester which will take him beyond his 36th birthday now you actually um, have worked with Jamie Vardy Marley a couple of times does it surprise you that he's still kind of as sprightly as ever well into his mid-30s uh, it's it's absolute freak of nature isn't it I don't I don't see anybody who's <laughs> got that much energy and that much pace at, at his age you forget that he's what is he 33 now um, it's mental how how he's he's maintained that um, that that way of playing especially when you consider that in the lower leagues, he's clearly not gonna have the 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 diet and the specialists around him. So it's not like he's looked after his body his whole career. He's he's gone. He, he was in non or at any point. <laughs> yeah, he's in non league till the age of what twenty five, I think twenty six maybe. Um, and then before he went to Fleetwood, and that's where it got a bit more professional. I mean, at, at Halifax and at Stocksbridge, he would have been looking after himself, eating what he wants, drinking what he wants. Um, at the weekends and, and what have you so to to get this type of this 
kind of longevity out of his career is is amazing. Um, and he's just he's improved everything about his about his game completely. He's not just pace anymore. He's, he's a clinical finisher. He can head the ball. He can hold it up. He can win free kicks. He's aggressive. He doesn't give anyone any space as we know over the last few years. And I'm delighted to see him get a hundred goals in the Premier League because. It's really, it's honestly one of the the biggest achievements I can think of in recent Premier League history. Considering when he came into the into the league and where Leicester were in in the league, they weren't one of the top sides, and obviously he was mm. part of the uh, the amazing twenty sixteen title winners. Um, and yeah, fair play when he hangs them up and looks back at his career. I mean, who could have ever yeah. predicted that a kid playing in. Uh, playing away to Blythe Spartans on a Tuesday night in 2011, 2012, because I was there freezing my balls off in the northeast. Um, would ever go on to this type of level, so fair play to him. I think, I think he's done absolutely amazing for himself, and long may it continue, because I think there's still a bit of gas left in the tank. Just a side note, Jim, off the back of that, do you think we'll see more players playing late into their 30s now? Because I think to yesterday, where the cricketer Jimmy Anderson mm. became the first fast bowler to to take 600 wickets and he's 38 years of age and he shows no signs of slowing down he's looked after his body the sports scientists now in professional sport are absolutely elite athletes know how to tend to their bodies i mean we saw ryan Giggs at manchester united play until he was 40 goalkeepers we often see tick over the 40 mark do you think now we'll see more of that because on the flip side we have seen players retire early i think of the likes of what we see as pundits now like micah richards and jermaine genus who retired around about the age of 30 so do you think it is a little bit cut, cut swings and roundabouts in terms of players' longevity? And there's two sides to this, isn't there? There's always going to be certain players who can play longer than others. And you look at someone like Stanley Matthews, who was playing professional football when he was in his mid-50s. So you're always <laughs> going to get players that play well past their maybe traditional sell-by dates. But yeah, sports science has done wonders and players are able to recover better now. They're able to deal with injuries better. They're able to look after their bodies with diet as well in a much more advanced way than they would even a decade ago. But at the same time, the flip side of that is players are also making their debuts younger and younger and younger. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing players who are maybe still physically developing, putting their bodies through the extreme pressures of playing top level football every single week and you see breakdowns because of that and people like Andy Carroll for example is the perfect example who's is it his back that's causing him problems at the moment Marley I mean it's a it's a long list of injuries that Andy Carroll struggled with in the past hey you, you should have seen the goal he scored yesterday I've seen yeah, it I don't know I've if, seen uh, it, yeah. it's absolutely amazing finally he's looking fit but I mean but he'll how step long? on a plug and be out for six weeks so, <laughs> step on a piece yeah, of Lego yeah anything. Put him out of but I think, I yeah. think Andy Carroll's the perfect I think he's got six kids so there's plenty of Lego <laughs> knocking around he's the perfect example of a player who I mean he's a, he's a great big lump he's ma- incredibly physical in games and maybe he put too many strains on his body in his early development and he's suffering that suffering the, the the effects of that now so yeah you will see a few players playing a little bit longer but that's always going to be tempered by players yeah. whose bodies do break down as well i mean you could argue that it is actually just a stigma and just a you know a stereotype of football that you need to be thinking about retirement in your mid 30s yeah. when actually there's no i mean obviously there is evidence to back that up but there's no suggestion as to why players can't go on and play for as it's, long as they it's possibly about the can the individual people's bodies are built completely differently and some people can last longer than others absolutely anyway let's continue talking about Leicester a more of an outgoing this one well certainly it looks as if he will be on his way to Chelsea and that's Ben Chilwell um, you mentioned on the podcast the other day, Marley, that you, you certainly think he's probably the best left back in the Premier League when he's fit. Uh, Chelsea's business for Chilwell, Havertz and Silva it all looks very, very close. Now, how much of an improvement will that make to Chelsea's squad? Now, we've, we've mentioned before about how Frank Lampard's done well. He got them to a cup final. He got them into the Champions League. But they did lose a fair amount of games last season. Um, the emphasis seems to be strengthening at the back and at the front rather than in the middle. So... Do you think that Chelsea can expect to be a more solid team next season and finish higher up in the league or at least more solidly in the top four than they did this campaign? Uh, yeah, I expect them to to sort out, to sort of iron out some of the, the creases in that team. Um, I think last season they could be... There was, there was a lot of games where they played really well and got beat um, and that was largely mm. down to the goalkeeper and the defence. And that... Even the first game of the season against yeah. United, where they uh, lost. That's the one that springs to mind immediately. I think they, they were better than Man United for most, pretty much 
you know, three quarters of the game and they lost 4-0. And it was just because mm-hmm. he got picked off. And that is largely because of the defence just not concentrating. And it's almost better sometimes to be, for all of your team to be sort of 7 out of 10 because you know what they're going to get. If if your attack's 10 out of 10 and your, your defence is you know 3 out of 10 and you've, your attack scores twice, there's always a chance that your defence is going to concede three or four times. So I would almost think that you know, Lampard wants that consistency, he wants to know what he's going to get. Um, I think he rotated a lot last season. Um, so we'll see what he what he what he decides on going into next season, and we'll see if he can uh, if if he can sort it out. But he's making the right moves. I think Chilwell's Chilwell will pick himself for the next five years if if this, if this deal goes through, which it's meant to. Um, Rudiger and Thiago Silva might be fairly decent uh, at the back, and then you got Aspilicueta, so that all of a sudden looks like a pretty solid, pretty experienced back four. Um, and then you just got to sort out the goalkeeper, which I'm surprised they haven't done so far because that's the the glaring error in uh, in that team. I think with with Kepa's future up in the air, Caballero's 59 or whatever he is now. So we'll see we'll see what they can do there. But he's making the right moves and he's he's doing the right thing so far. So if you can go and get like Andre Onana from Ajax or something like that, then then go and do it. Certainly could be more signings to come from Chelsea. My argument would be, Jim, is that safety net for Frank Lampard, has that disappeared now? Because last season, obviously, he had that cushion of it's his first season in the Premier League. He's only had one full season as a manager before this. There's a transfer embargo. We can only play our young Mm. players. Now he signed some quality proven players from Europe's top five leagues, including some quality proven players in the Premier League. Does that now take away any excuses for Lampard? 100%. Those excuses are gone. Abramovich is playing his uh, real-life game of football manager and just buying any player in Europe that he fancies so far. They've already got Zayech, they've got Timo Werner signed, and now they're looking at three more experienced and very expensive players, even though Silva's going to be on a free. Obviously, he carries a fair amount of wedge when it comes to wages. So, I mean, I've said before, I think Lampard did okay last season I think he was probably given too much credit for what he achieved with a very decent Chelsea squad but this season he really needs to prove that he can cut it as a top flight manager because he is assembling a really impressive team as Marley says you stick a decent goalkeeper behind the first choice 11 they're going to have next season and you'd expect him to do very well I think maybe a centre-back in there as well because Silva's not going to be playing with the really heavy schedule of games that we're looking at for this condensed season, he's not going to be able to play every single game. So I think they probably need another centre-back to throw into the mix there. But a really good team. They've spent the money. There are no excuses for Frank Lampard now. So he is going to need to be, I think, well, I think he's going to be need, need to be in the chase for the Premier League title wow. in this coming season. Well, okay, And well, he should be. Yeah, well, why not? With the additions they've made, why not? I mean, Chelsea will be looking at possible more additions as well in the coming weeks and months. Of course, the transfer window open until October the 5th. Now from West London to North London, Jim... Tottenham have had a bid rejected for 50 million euros for Nicolo Zaniolo from Roma. He's a 21-year-old midfielder who kind of burst onto the scene two or three years ago Mm. now and he's been attracting interest from Spurs, not just under Jose Mourinho, but even under Maurizio Pochettino. They keep being linked with him. Apparently Dortmund, Juventus and Barcelona have all had 50 million euro bids rejected. Um, Spurs as well. Are we going to see Spurs dip into their pocket this summer? Do they have to? Because even though Mourinho came in and kind of steadied things a little bit, it was a lacklustre season for them. And I know they've got their excuses and reasons for that, but with a new stadium and the ambition of the club, they need to improve. And if it means they have to spend 50 million euros, even in a tight spot like we're seeing with coronavirus, it might be something they just have to take on the chin. Yeah, well, I mean, Tottenham, I thought, were pleading poverty not that long ago. They applied to put half their... um, half their backroom team on furlough. They took a massive loan out. Yeah, from the Bank of England as well. So you would have expected them not to maybe invest too heavily in playing staff this season. But they do need to. There's certain weak areas of that squad that do need to improve, as you say, with the ambitions that they have as a football club with the new stadium they're playing in as well. I'm surprised that a kind of offensive central midfielder is top of their wish list when you look at the players they do have it's a very midfield heavy squad you'd Mm -hmm. suggest in fact that pretty much every other position needs strengthening except midfield so the fact they're willing to put 50 million pounds on this player is a little bit of a surprise but I mean he's the right age he's a potentially good investment he's had a good season I think he cost Roma four million quid a couple of years back so it's a good 
markup on their investment for them as well. So good business for both clubs, even though it's been rejected at this stage. I'm just really surprised that that's the type of player Mourinho's looking for. But as we've seen with Mourinho at previous clubs, the players that he brings in doesn't necessarily always make 100% sense in terms of building mm. a squad. It tends to be about the individuals rather than how they fit in together as a system. Where do you think Spurs need to strengthen Mali or do they at all? I Fullbacks. They They've do. got no fullbacks. <laughs> None. Yeah, 100% what Jim said, fullbacks. Uh, as far as I know, Joe Hart can't play right back. So he's uh, the one signing <laughs> they've, they've made so far is uh, is not really plugging the hole that they need to. One one thing I say they 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 don't need is another attacking midfielder. I think they've got plenty there. They've got Lacelso, they've got Ali, they've got Bergvine, they've got Son. Got a lot. Of, they've got Sessegnon to come back. I don't know whether he'll play left back most of the season or, or or left wing. I don't know. Jedson's been playing right back in pre season apparently, so that could be uh, could be something something there. Um, although I don't know who they've played in pre season, but it can't be anyone any good. So I mean, you're taking a risk on him there. Uh, so yeah, Zaniolo is an amazing player, but he literally plays as a mostly as a number ten. So that would get rid of Deli Ali's uh, position, and he can play from the right. So all of a sudden, are you looking at dropping Lucas or Bergvine? Do they not get in the team because Son plays on the left? So you've got a lot of options there, and it, it almost seems like you know the bit of a Ferrari at the front and a Ford Mondeo at the back because. They've lost Vertonghen. I think Alderweireld always had questions over his future. Then there's like Davinson Sanchez and Eric Dyer. They don't seem the most solid. Um, the left back Ben Davis have still got Danny Rose coming back. I don't think they're the best. I think they need improving. And then as as we said about the right backs, Aurier and Jedson Fernandez, if they continue to play him there, they just need more back there. I think. So it's strange for Mourinho as well as a, as a defensively sound manager to not be addressing these things. Maybe he he clearly thinks that he can he can shoot his way out of a, a bad situation by signing more players. But well, well, it's a, it's a, in the words of dodgeball, it's a bold strategy. Cotton, let's see how it pays out. <laughs> Play it plays out even. <laughs> I wonder whether Jose Mourinho has kind of been rattled a little bit by these accusations over the last few years of negative Jose Mourinho of anti-football and he's kind of gone well look let's see what happens when I don't play any defenders well we'll find out in the Amazon documentary which is oh, being released about Tottenham Hotspur so look forward to watching that can't and wait. see how Jose Mourinho is portrayed depicted in that documentary but that's it for today's episode of Football Social Daily don't forget three podcast episodes a week whilst the season hasn't quite fully started yet but once the 12th of september rolls around and we're back into the full swing of things we'll be bringing you a podcast every single day of the week so make sure you hit subscribe and you won't ever miss an episode again i've been niall thanks jim cheers thank you marley thank you and we'll speak to you again on the next one football social daily get ready to play with a 100 percent up to 150 pounds plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.